How many of you have ever seen that play before? How many times have you seen that play before? (laughs) Now, Jim Marshall was a great football player. He had a great career. He spent 20 years in the NFL. He was a member of one of the best defenses that has ever been in NFL history. And later in the game, he caused a fumble that went the opposite way and helped his team, the Vikings, win the game. But guess what he's remembered for? He's remembered for this blunder. In fact, he's so remembered for it that he has the nickname. Anybody know Jim Marshall's nickname? Wrong Way Marshall. Can we all just agree this morning life is not fair? I mean, a great career, a wonderful team, and you're remembered for this. Uh, Can I ask you this morning, how many of us are grateful there's not a YouTube video of us on the internet of our worst blunder for all the world to see? You know, as embarrassing as this is to have a video of your most embarrassing moment for all the world to watch over and over and over again, how would you like to have your name printed in Scripture for going the wrong way? And people have read your greatest blunder throughout the entire world for thousands of years. Who is the most famous person in the Bible who went the wrong way? Yeah, it's Jonah. It's Jonah. And this morning, we're going to open up a series of sermons in the book of Jonah. And here's how we could begin. We could begin this series by calling Jonah, Wrong Way Jonah. Only, he did not go the wrong way by accident. He went the wrong way on purpose, and I want you to know this morning that is far more serious. You see, wrong way Marshall, he made a blunder, but wrong way Jonah, he made a choice, didn't he? And it was a sinful choice. Uh, Are we ever tempted to go the wrong way? I thought of that song this morning we could have sung, Prone to Wander, Lord, I Feel It prone to leave the God I love. And I relate to that song every time I sing it. Would you agree with me there's a Jonah in all of us? I believe there is. And what God taught Jonah, we need to learn as well. And so I want you to take your Bibles this morning. And we're going to do two things. Number one... We're going to learn together in the book of Jonah, and Jonah is in the Minor Prophets in your Old Testament. It is uh, right between the books of Obadiah and Micah. We know anybody named Micah here this morning? Well, Jonah comes right before Micah, and I want you to find that place. A lot of times we say, turn to the place where the pages are still stuck together in your Bibles. And that's the Minor Prophets. And you find the little book of Jonah. And we're going to begin this morning with an introduction to Jonah as we read verses 1 to 3. And we want to do two things. Why do we go the wrong way? And then, what do we learn about God 
when we are going the wrong way. So let's read as we begin, shall we? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to, where was he going? Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to where? Tarshish. Away from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray for a moment. Oh Lord God, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God that I love. There is a Jonah in all of us. And Lord, how patient you were with this prodigal prophet. How loving you were towards him. How strong you were with him. And we are now all the beneficiaries of all the things that he learned about our wonderful God. Teach us now through this very amazing book. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin, shall we, with why it is that we go the wrong way, okay? And first of all, we learn here from these opening words that we go the wrong way because we don't like the right way. I mean, that's hard for us to admit. But that is what's going on here. Now, the very first thing that we have to see when we open a book like this is that Jonah was a true uh, prophet of God, and this is a true historical account. Uh, if you were to turn to 2 Kings 14, 25, and 27, this is what we would read about this prophet Jonah. King Jeroboam II restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of Arabah. According to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant who? Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from gath Hefer. For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, for there was none left, bond or free, and there was none to help Israel. But the Lord had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. So he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Now, Second Kings is a book of history. It is giving us historical detail. And several things here are very, very important. This is the same time period as the book of Jonah. King Jeroboam II was reigning over the northern kingdom of Israel, 750 B.C. And then we see it's the same name, this man Jonah, the same father, Amittai. And then we're told he was a real prophet who foretold what came through according to the word of the Lord. Now, why is all of this here? Well, it's to establish Jonah is a real person, a real prophet, and what we're reading really happened. And the first thing that we have to say, since all of this is true, why did Jonah do what he did? 
See, when the book opens and says the word of the Lord came to Jonah, that is a technical term for a prophet of God. It is used over 40 times of Jeremiah, over 50 times of Ezekiel. One time it is used of John the Baptist telling us that he was a prophet. And every prophet knew this. The word of the Lord is true. It's right. It's to be delivered. No questions asked. In fact, you know what Jeremiah said when the word of the Lord came to him? He said, it is like a fire burning in my bones and I cannot hold it in. Every single prophet knew that. Jonah was a prophet who knew that. God's word is true, it is right, and it is to be obeyed. So why did he not do it? Simple answer. He didn't like what God was saying. You see, the Assyrians and their main city was Nineveh, had a history of oppressing Israel. And you know that history. Eventually, they brutalized the northern kingdom. They destroyed their capital, Samaria. They took their entire population into captivity, and they became the ten lost tribes of Israel as it is to this very day. But here's the interesting thing. At this point in history, Assyria was very, very weak. There had been a number of internal revolts from uh, leading people in Assyria. And actually around this time there was anarchy going on in the nation of Assyria. Um, If we show you this little map this morning, you can see that their territory at this point in time was very, very reduced. That little green oval there was the limit of the territory of Assyria in Jonah's time. And you can see what it had been with the uh, orange boundary and what one day it would be with the yellow boundary. And so at this time, their territory was very much reduced. But we all know what the Bible just said about it in Second. Kings chapter 24, that as a result of a prophecy of Jonah, King Jeroboam II had taken more of Israel's property back, and so Israel at this time is expanding, while Assyria is retracting. Now here's what Jonah knew. If I go to Nineveh and preach, they may repent. If they repent, what does God do when people repent? God forgives. And He also withdraws judgment. And here's what Jonah knew. If that happens, Assyria may prosper again, they may grow stronger, and they may oppress us again. And you know what Jonah believed? What's bad for my enemy is good for me. And what's good for my enemy is bad for me. And he didn't like what God was asking him to do. Let me ask you this morning, 
Are we much different than Jonah at this point? I don't think we always are. You may remember uh, one day I was listening to Ravi Zacharias on the radio. And he said something that I've never forgotten. He said, most people who seek advice from a pastor already know the answer to their problem. They just don't want to do it. And said Ravi Zacharias, what they are doing when they come to their pastor, knowing already what the answer is, is they are hoping the pastor will give them a reason as to why they don't have to do it. Are we really any different than Jonah at this point? Not really. And I just want to say to you, uh, this includes me. Did you know pastors seek advice from other pastors? We do. And I'll never forget one time going to a pastor seeking advice, and he told me some things I didn't want to hear. And we all know we don't always like the right way. Uh, by the way, woe to the pastor who tells us what we want to hear, right? Woe to that pastor. You go to a, a pastor and he tells you what you want to hear when it's not what is right. That's not a church that you want to be in. Because what God says is right is always what we need to hear. Now, as we continue in this opening of this book, there's a second reason why we go the wrong way. We don't think the Lord has the right to tell us to do hard things. By the way, is there a connection between these two? What do you think? Are these two related? Of course they are. They certainly are. You see, if we don't like it, then we'll rationalize it. And what we will say is, God doesn't really have the right to ask this of me. This is too hard. Now, I want you to look at this. Jonah could have rationalized this in many ways. He could have said, this is way too hard. This is not fair. Uh, Notice in verse 2, the Lord said to him, Arise, and I want you to go and preach to Nineveh. Do you know he's the only prophet who was ever told to go and preach to a foreign nation? The only one. Jeremiah was never told to do that. Isaiah was never told to do that. Ezekiel never was told to do that. Daniel went to Babylon against his will. He was taken captive. He was not commissioned. Jonah is the only one. And you know what he could have said? Lord, why me? This isn't fair. And then, Nineveh was not an easy journey on foot. I want to bring up this morning... Uh, a scale model of the city of Nineveh. We'll be learning a little bit more about this ancient city. It was one of the greatest cities in the ancient world. It was about 1,800 acres inside those walls. Some of these walls were 100 feet high and 50 feet thick. 
It was an incredible city. It was about 500 miles away on foot. And can't you just hear Jonah saying, not fair. That's too far. And then notice, he was to bring a message in verse 2 in which he was to cry out against their evil. That is a very strong word. It means wretchedness. The wretchedness of Nineveh was legendary. They were known for their brutality, for their cruelty. Let me share with you some of the things their kings would do to their victims. Future kings of Nineveh tore off the lips and the hands of their victims. One king uh, skinned his victims alive. Another chopped off their heads and made great piles of their skulls. And when Jonah is told here, preach against their evil, that echoes the language of the flood generation. We are uh, being reminded here that Nineveh was very much like the generation that God destroyed with a flood. Let me read to you about the generation of the flood. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. There's the word, continually. And the Lord regretted that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him to His heart. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. That was Nineveh. And can't you just hear Jonah saying, that's too dangerous, not fair. Let me ask all of us this morning to uh, think to ourselves in this way. Have you ever caught yourself saying, this is too hard? God is being unfair in asking this of me. Have you ever caught yourself saying, I shouldn't have to do this? Let's not raise our hands this morning, right? Because we've all been there. Many years ago in uh, Texas, when I was there, I had a, a friend. She was uh, the sister of uh, my best friend, really, in seminary. And she desperately wanted to find a Christian husband, but nothing was working out. And she was dating these guys at the seminary who were supposed to be godly men going into the ministry. And one of them broke up with her and and hurt her really bad. The other disappointed her very, very deeply. And one day, just in frustration, she blurted out, I've been a good girl all my life, and where has it gotten me? And those words that she blurted out in frustration still ring to me today. This isn't fair. I shouldn't have to struggle like this. I don't have to tell you. That began her going the wrong way. 
she started from that point going the wrong way. And all of us this morning can mark this down. If I ever get to the place where I say the Christian life is too hard, it's not fair, I will go the wrong way. That's a warning here to all of us. This is just too hard, what God is asking me to do. This just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem like this is the way things should be. And if we ever get to that place, we will go the wrong way. Now, there's a a third reason, and this shouldn't surprise us, that this follows next. Notice number three. We go the wrong way because this is what we believe. God won't discipline us if we disobey. And by the way, does number three follow number one and two? Does it? Of course it does. If we don't like the right way and we rationalize that God would never ask us to do hard things, then in our minds it's very easy for us to say, if I do what I know is wrong, God will not correct me. This just follows. Uh, You take steps one and two and step three is very easy. Now, in verse 3, we're not exactly 100% sure of where Jonah uh, went when he went to Tarshish, but it very very well may refer to modern-day Spain. You see, Tarshish was the farthest you could go on the Mediterranean Sea. And you will notice three times it says in verse 3, I'm going to go to Tarshish, I'm going to go to Tarshish, I'm going to go to Tarshish. And twice it says he was going to leave the presence of the Lord. You know what that tells us? Jonah was trying to get as far away from the Lord as he could. And Tarshish was the furthest place in that day. Let me show it to you on the map just to give you a little sense of what this was like. Nineveh, over 500 miles to uh, the northeast. Tarshish, over 2,000 miles directly west. Can anybody say this morning, this guy was really running away from home? I mean, that's what he was doing. Now, we may understand here this. Jonah knew that God was in every place, okay? Jonah, as we get to chapter 2, knew the Psalms very well. He knew Psalm 139.7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? So Jonah well knew, when I get there, Tarshish is, uh, God's presence is going to be there just as much as he is in Israel. So what was Jonah doing? Are you ready? He was turning in his prophet badge. He was taking off the badge that said prophet, and he was giving it to God. He was tearing up his contract. He was turning his back on God. You know what this was? 
this was an act of defiance and rebellion. And it was total and complete. It took one year to sail from Israel to Tarshish when you stopped along the way. And if you were going to make a round-trip journey, it took you three years. You know what that means? Jonah sold his home. He paid for this trip with a lot of silver. And he was planning... I'm never coming back. He wasn't just leaving the presence of the Lord. He was done with the Lord Himself. And this is what he probably thought. If I go this far, God will leave me alone. He won't make me come back. And He'll get somebody else to go to Nineveh. Uh, let me ask you this question. How many of you think this is going to work? I think you're with me. Can a true Christian run away from God? Can a true Christian run away from God? Well, you know what? They can, but not without paying a price, right? And not without God correcting them and bringing them back. Let's read together a portion of Scripture that teaches us this truth, okay? Let's read it together. Hebrews 12, 6-8 is so important for us because... If we rebel and defy God's will as a Christian, God will not allow that to go. He will discipline us. Let's read it together, alright? You, you read with me what we all believe and know. Let's, let's read it together. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves, and He chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Does God love his children? Does He love us too much not to let us disobey? Is He a good Father? Yes, He is. And you know what God is going to do? God is going to patiently and lovingly discipline Jonah and bring him back. And God will do the same with you. And He will do the same with me. He is a good, good Father. And He keeps and works in His own. Well now, you know, it's interesting. um, As we think about the book of Jonah, there are a few things that we all think about. Uh, We think about, you know, the big fish. We we think about the, um, the big city. And then we think about this stubborn... 
defiant prophet who throws a temper tantrum and like a little kid decides I'm going to run home. I'm going to run away. Uh, you, ever, you ever had one of your kids pack a suitcase and say I'm leaving? You ever had that happen? Uh, you know, you kind of chuckle at it and laugh at it. And, you know, you say, okay, where are you going? And they say, well, I, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I'm leaving, you know. <laughs> That's what Jonah's doing. But I want you to listen to this. The big fish, four times in the book of Jonah. The big city, Nineveh, nine times. The stubborn prophet Jonah mentioned 18 times. Guess how many times God is mentioned in the book of Jonah? You ready? 38 times. You know what that tells me? The book of Jonah is about God, isn't it? In fact, you take God out of the book and does it make any sense? No. You see, the book of Jonah is not really about a big fish. It's not about a big city. It's not about really the great revival. It's not about a stubborn prophet. It's about God. And so, as we look at this opening to the book, we have to ask this question. What do we learn about God. And by the way, when we come to church, this is always the bottom line. What is God teaching us about Himself? And I want to give to you the lessons this morning, all right? Number one. In fact, they're so important, let's read them together. Would you join me? Let's read them together. Number one. What God commands is always right. Okay? That's the first lesson. Some of you know that Bobby Richardson uh, was a Hall of Fame baseball player for the New York Yankees. He left at the height of his career to go into the ministry. One day he was invited to pray at a banquet and he stood up and this was his prayer. He said, Dear Lord, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Amen. And he sat down. And the sooner we settle that in the Christian life, the better it will be. You see, if you don't settle this right here, what God commands is always right, there's going to come a day when what God commands is very hard. Very hard. And if we have already settled it, as hard as it may be, it will be easier for us to do the hard thing. Because long, long ago, we settled this issue. God's will is always right. And no matter what, I am committed to doing it. That's clearly the first lesson. Number two. Let's read it together, shall we? What God commands reveals 
His character. Do you know why God commands what He does? Because His commands are always a reflection of His character and His heart. And the best way that we have to get to know God is by obeying Him. If you really want to get to know God, you obey Him because it's in the obedience to the Lord that you learn what His character is like. And all that Jonah is going to go through in this book as he rebels against God and God brings him back and then later on he's angry because God calls him again to go to Nineveh, all of these things are so that Jonah will learn wonderful things about the character of God. You know what we're going to learn about as we study this book? God's love. God's mercy. God's sovereignty, God's compassion, God's discipline, God's call to obedience. We're going to learn about God's call to witness to the lost. Let me ask you, are all those things we need to learn from God? Yes, they are. And how do we learn about His love, mercy, sovereignty, compassion, discipline, call to obedience and call to witness? The best way I know how is by obeying God. Because then you see His character and you learn what He's like. Here's the third lesson. Let's read it together. What God commands is good for us and for others. Are the Ninevites grateful that God commanded Jonah? What's the answer? Did the Israelites, did they need to learn what God commanded Jonah? What's the answer? Did Jonah need to learn? Do we need to learn? How many of us would say what God commanded? was good for Jonah, and it's good for us. This past week, um, at the close of our service, one of our young adults came and handed me this sheet. And on the sheet were questions. And as I read the questions, I thought, wow, this is, uh, this is some serious thinking. And then I studied this chapter, and I thought, wow, these are excellent questions for us to consider. Let me read them to you. If someone prays for patience, do you think God will just give them patience? Or do you think He will give them the opportunity to be patient? If he prays for courage, does God just give him courage? Or does he give him the opportunity to be courageous? If someone prays for a family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm and fuzzy feelings? 
Or does He give them opportunities to love each other? Aren't those profound questions? And do you see what God was doing with Jonah? He was giving him opportunities through something very hard to learn about God if Jonah would just obey. And God's doing the same with you and with me. God is giving us opportunities through things that are very hard to help us to learn about Him and be like Him if we will just obey. And unless we believe this 100%, There's going to come a time when we're going to go the wrong way and we'll miss out. We'll miss out. And God does not want us to miss out, right? He loves us too much. He loves us too much. Let's bow together, shall we? And let's close our eyes for just a moment. As our hearts are bowed and our eyes are closed, can I ask, where are you at today? What hard thing is God asking you to do Because it's the right thing. It's revealed in His Word. And you're struggling. You don't like it. You think it's too hard. And you're even convincing yourself... If I do something different, God will understand. He won't correct me. And would you tell God this morning that you know that He loves you? You know He's too good to make a mistake. You know He's sovereign over all things. And you know He's a loving Father. And would you tell Him in the midst of this hardness, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to stay in the right way for whatever you have to teach me. Would you say, Oh God, I don't want to miss out and I don't want those around me 
that I have influence over to miss out either. Lord, help me when I'm just like Jonah. Father, we realize that this book is also about us. And it's what we need to learn about you so that we can stay in the path of your will and under your good and perfect blessing. And Father, I pray for that one right now who maybe is running away. Or who is thinking of running away. I pray this very moment you will stop them dead in their tracks. Cause them to think. And allow you to have your way. Lord, we love you today for revealing yourself to us. How blessed we are. We pray now for Jesus' sake. Amen.